Welcome to the Crazy Ag Fan Podcast. I'm your host, Teddy. No matter where you are, thanks for making this part of your day. Thanks for taking a listen. Follow me across social media at Crazy Ag Fan on Instagram and on X. Crazy Ag Fan Facebook page. What's up? I can do this. Back at it again after a little break. First off, let me wish everybody a happy and healthy new year. May this year bring you anything that you dream of and especially health and happiness. Hope everyone had a good Christmas. Lots to get to today, of course, because as you guys probably know, I have not recorded a podcast in a little while. Gonna apologize for it. Just got caught up in a lot of work things, family over the last couple of weeks. You know how the holidays are. But let's get to it because we got a lot to talk about today. And um, first and foremost, number one thing I need to talk about was uh, Costas Nestoridis passed away a few weeks ago. The Ike, the absolute Ike legend, one of the pillars of Ike. <clears throat> As most of you that are Greek speakers have probably heard stories about him after he passed, and most of you that like to study the history of clubs maybe knew this beforehand, but um, Nestoridi was, as I said, a pillar of Ike football, probably the first real Ike superstar. If you talk to people from this generation that actually were able to watch him play, I had uncles, I had um um, my dad told me a few stories about watching the study they play, even though, as I've said, stated before in this podcast, my dad was not an Ike fan. But <clears throat> as the story goes, is that he converted a lot of people to Ike fans. People went to go see Ike, even if they were different, supported different clubs, just to watch him play. It's crazy to think he only won one uh, championship with Ike, but he was a phenomenal, phenomenal player. Of course, this was, there's not very much as far as like video of Nestoridi, like the raise about the the other Ike legend that passed away last year, Papayanu. Um, you know, may his memory be eternal. Um, he'll always be remembered. He'll always be, you know, as the old saying goes, <laughs> heroes get remembered, but legends never die. He was a true, true legend um, for the club. And uh, we wish all the best to his family. And of course, again, may his memory be eternal. Who was a massive, massive part of Ike and supported Ike until, you know, probably the day he died. He, you saw him and uh, he came to the celebration of the new stadium he was always at Ike Games even after, long after he retired. He took a managerial position for a little while. He was always involved with the team, always going to matches. Just a, a just a true Ike G, to put it that way. Um, <clears throat> a lot of people would say he is the guy that really put Ike on the map. That really took Ike from just being this refugee club to making, it, uh, to making Ike a national powerhouse and putting Ike on the map in Greece is, you know, is now you have a lot of Ike fans that are not just the the descendants of, of refugees from Asia Minor. You have a lot of Ike fans like myself who don't have a, a straight connection with that part of the world, but are Ike fans because of the football and because of, of what Ike represents um, in Greek football. So very, very big uh, 
part of Ike history there, Gideos Nisodidis. But let's slowly move on. And what I'm going to do is just give an overview of all the matches that have happened um, that I haven't gotten a chance to talk about. Obviously, if I was to sit here and go into detail and talk a lot about every single match, I could do this for a few hours. So I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to present an overview, talk about the three matches I haven't talked about since the last podcast, and then also talk about what we have coming up this week um, in football. So let's get to it. Ike traveled to Amsterdam and lost 3-1 to Ajax. And they bow out of Europe. All competitions. Uh, They finished fourth in their group. And it's disappointing. Compared to where Ike started the group, I mean, to be able to take four points from the two matches, and that's all they end up with. And with as good football as they played in almost every match. Now, this was one of the matches where They didn't play terrible football, but luck just wasn't on their side. Their keeper, which I'll get to in a minute, I know has been a big point of discussion out in the Ike world the past few weeks. Um, It is disappointing the way this team finished up. You know, I've talked about this a lot on the podcast since the beginning of this season, how excited I was to see what an Almeida Ike could do in Europe. Uh, We got pumped. We got, I mean, we got pumped in the sense of getting hyped up. especially after the first two matches where we took uh, four points and really should have had six points. That Jonsson miss at the end of the the, the first game against Ajax in uh, in Athens really hurt us, you know, on um, those two points. If we would have had those two points, it would have made a big difference. Um, would have made a big difference in, the, in this match that we lost in Amsterdam. But... Let's talk about it a little bit. Obviously, the big talking point is Anastasiades and the mistakes that he made in this game. He cost like pretty much two goals. Um, But I wouldn't just lean on that. I think there's an issue with when you're playing this style of brand of football that Almeida has you playing. As I've called it before, I've called it Bielsa Ball Light. Um, very attacking, very moving your, your your lines up. And I get it. And they wanted to um, to kind of throw Ajax off a little bit. But I think after you get the result that you want, after Levy Garcia scores that goal and you're able to equalize in the first few minutes of the game, after you got scored on after the blunder of, uh, of Anastasiades, you have to hold your lines a little bit better. You have to play a little more defensively. Um, Because we saw, even in the first match, where Ajax was able to get behind Ajax's defense. They just were not able to finish as well. Um, You know, it's kind of one of those things where you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't, in the sense that if it works out and you play more of an attacking style in this game, you can be a hero and you could have, yeah, you could have scored two or three more goals on Ajax if you had a lucky day. But then again, it opens you up so bad at the back that a team with Ajax with fast wingers and that can uh, counter very well. Um, I just wish I at times Almeida would kind of hold back a little bit. Now the problem was in this match, especially was that Ike had no freaking midfield. 
Now, we have to keep in mind, Pineda now is healthy, but he was unavailable for all three of these matches that I'm going to talk about. So you're missing a very key component component of your midfield, as well as Jonsson. I cannot remember as far back in this game if Jonsson was able to play, but I know that he was still coming off of injury. Um, but I had no midfield. I mean, you had Mandalos. I think Mandalos started in all three of these games. He didn't play bad, but it, it's not the, the quality of player that you need in... in in especially this game against Ajax. I mean, you could have Mandalos coming off the bench to try to hold the ball a little bit more in the second half, but I don't know, man. I just felt like the, the there was no midfield. The midfield was just getting punished. It was just getting destroyed. I could not hold the ball. Um, not that they were always under constant pressure, but it, it just felt like we couldn't keep the ball at all um, in the first half of this match. And I think overall, I did not play very bad. They just really, really paid for those mis- defensive mistakes that cost like this match. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Yes, for as bad as Anafasiadis was, and he really cost like two of the goals in this match. He did have some great saves in the second half, but that's too. I'm sorry, that's too little, too late. Now, I've always been the type of person that, and I've said this on the podcast a few times, maybe I haven't said it in a while, I've always been the type of person that defends players. Not because, hold on, let me rephrase that. I I defend players because getting older, you kind of see the human side more of players. Through social media, you kind of see the, the human aspect of players a little more. And maybe sometimes it's it's a it's a good thing because you remember okay, these people are not just robots. They're human beings with real feelings, with whatever. And I'm not trying to get too freaking you know too touchy feely here, but um, at the same time, people will counter and say you know these are professionals that get paid hundreds of thousands, in some cases millions of dollars to do what they do. True. But they're still human beings. So just like you can have a bad run of form at your job, they can have a bad run of form at their job. Um, Sometimes it's actually this social media age is a detriment to these players because they'll have a bad game and they'll post a picture of them hanging out with their families or them like doing an activity that they like and people, you know, call them, bash them and call them careless. Um, But in this sense... The mistakes that Anastasiadis has made in all three of these matches, mostly in this Ajax match and in the Pansaraikos match, which we'll talk about that debacle when, when I get there, um, you can't defend them. These are, <laughs> these are mistakes that someone at a professional level, especially at, at Ike, cannot make. Then again... Players can have bad forms because, yes, we can talk all the shit that we want about Anathasiades in these games. But yet, last season, in the double winning season, he was the primary keeper. So, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. But it this has cost Ike big time. It cost Ike Europe. It cost Ike a chance into the Conference League where I really think Greek teams can make noise. Balk is already making noise. In the you know both times that Balk has qualified for the uh, the Europa Conference League, they've been playing very well. I mean, 
this year they have a better team than they did a few years ago that they made it to the quarterfinals. So, you know, it's a it's a competition that I feel like right now fits Greek football and Greek teams, unfortunately, for us to say that. Because, yes, we want them to be at the top level. We want them to play Europa League, Champions League football for all for all Greek clubs, all the major Greek clubs. I know other fans feel the same way about their clubs. <coughs> Excuse me. I know I normally have a bad cough when I'm uh, doing these podcasts. I don't know why. I don't know what it is about <clears throat> the room where I record, and I don't. I don't even record in the same room. But I apologize for that. Um, and I'm also getting over a little bit of a cold, so that's not making things any easier. I just made a lot of mistakes in this game. Uh, it's sad to see this team bow out of Europe. Was really hoping that they would make that last spot. And that's the thing, is we put no pressure on Ajax whatsoever. Ajax was able to grab the early lead. Yes, we equalized, but um, we really could have put, you know, Ajax was coming into this match with the weight of the world on their shoulders because they had, you're expected as Ajax to win and go through at least the Europa Conference League. And Nike, I feel like, did not take advantage of that at all. Um you know, like I was saying before, can this Almeida system, it, it has its flaws. It, it can You can play great football, pushing the lines up and then pressing so much. But just ask Leeds fans about Bielsa Ball. They'll tell you they, uh, they lived some great, glorious moments playing like that. But they also, you know, lived some pretty bad moments playing like that. Or how, you know, it's similar to the system that... Um, um, uh, what's his name? Pastakoglu plays in uh, at that Spurs right now. Ask Spurs fans about how <laughs> how much fun it's been to see this guy push the lines so far up. Um, it's just one of those things where it's a give and a take. And unfortunately, Ike lately have really paid the price for playing that style of football. And um, and I'll get more into that here in a minute. But just a bad finish in Europe. It really. It really left a bad taste in my mouth. I was traveling on this day, so I was watching it on my phone in, in the car. And um, just, yeah, I was trying, and I wish I would have recorded right there and then that night, um, right after the match was over. I wanted to record and get some of my thoughts down, but I wasn't able to. Um, very uh, disappointing to see the team go out of Europe like this. And now let's get to the next game. Panatolikos Aik, 2-2. Gosh. You know, I think the Panathinaikos, the game the day before, had lost. I knew that going into this match, if we would have won, that we would have been top of the table. And I thought to myself, freaking great. This is awesome because to take away kind of that bitterness of Europe, we could have this team win and be top of the table. And at least we could be heading into the next round, you know, top of the table, which would be great. And we were playing Panatolikos, who had been playing better football as of late, but still a, a bottom a bottom of the table team, right? First things first, I could go up 2-0. And I'm thinking, okay, first 15 minutes, we're up 2-0. Now, full disclosure, both this game and the Panatolikos, that's one of the reasons why I've been a little reluctant to recording. Another reason why. 
besides trying to find the time to, um, is because I didn't watch either of these matches. They were here local time where I live. They were on at 10 a.m. during the work week, work week before the holiday. So it was very busy trying to get caught up on stuff so I wouldn't have so much to do. I could spend more time with the family during the holiday. So uh wasn't able to watch either of these matches. So I kept a, a ticker <clears throat> to keep to keep track, keep alerting me whenever someone would score. So after I saw, you know, first 15 minutes were up 2-0. First off, I was ecstatic to see that Levy Garcia scored in a second straight game, which I'm like, all right, great. We're getting our center forward back. We're up 2-0, and then the game finishes 2-2. There's no, there's no sense in this. And I feel like this team has... I still have faith that they have not put it all together. I feel that when this team is playing well offensively, we're not playing well defensively. When we're playing well defensively, we're not able to put the ball in the back of the net. And they just have not been able to put it all together yet. And we're still waiting for this team to be able to put it all together. And, that, and that's what I'm hoping is going to happen. Um, because this this was rough. This was a rough thing to take. First bow out of Europe against Ajax in a, in, a, in a crappy performance, and then you drop two points against one of the bottom teams of the league uh, against Panathinaikos and, and miss out on the opportunity to um, to go top of the table. And really, I I mean yes, we can brag about how our this first round of the Greek Super League. They've played great and they've won all these derbies, and our derby record is great. Uh, what is it, the three wins and one draw. But what's that going to do when you can't beat Panathinaikos? You can't, you've only gotten two points out of a possible six against Panathinaikos. You lose to Alfi, who has been in a terrible downward spiral since they beat us. Um, you drop points against Kifisha, who Balk just smashed freaking 6-0 or something like that. Um you have to beat these teams. As I've said before, the championship goes through the through beating these teams. It's not just winning the derbies. The derbies are, are always going to be toss-ups. It's always going to be... You can win or lose a derby very easily. And that you're going to lose. You're going to lose points against the best opposition you're playing against. Sometimes it's just going to happen. Derbies are derbies. Derbies are a different animal. Uh... And then all these other games, which you have to beat. If you can't beat these bottom teams of the of the league, then I'm sorry, you don't deserve to to repeat as champions. And then that's kind of harsh to say, but truly, if we would have, we would have at least, let's say, all six points. If we'd have four more points in the two games against Pansarecos, we'd be leading the league right now. So I mean. Uh, just a tough, tough take there. And <laughs> if that wasn't enough, you're like, okay, we gotta be Pansaraikos. We have to get the points against Pansaraikos. And Pansaraikos was a little bit different for me. I was able to put on the second half and listen on the radio, and then the last few minutes of the match, I just knew. <laughs> I just again, Levy Garcia scores, so I'm like happy. That's three straight games. This kid got a goal. 
where we've talked about on this podcast for months now, we're missing our center forward. We're missing somebody that can put the ball in the back of the net. But damn it, like, why can this team not put everything together? It's getting extremely frustrating. Why, you know, you you got your, your goal scorer back. He seems to be doing well, and we're just letting goals in. Like, we're leaking goals all of a sudden. And it's not only from, from bad defensive mistakes. In this game in particular, it was just a bad goal, man, that Anafasiadis... Before that, I, you know, you could have said, okay, against Ajax, totally bad game, whatever. Like, it happens to professionals. Unfortunately, when it happens to goalkeepers, if a goalkeeper has a bad day, it's, it's a terrible result for you in football. You know, if anyone else has a bad day, you can kind of just say, okay, the guy had a bad day. But when the keeper does, and it's so obvious... All right, but then I all right I, again and against Ajax, you're playing against a great team, so they're gonna punish you. You're not playing against Dione Gosh. You're not playing against Kifisha. You're not playing against Panatolikos. You're playing against Ajax, so your margin of error is very very small, to where you can't even give them a half chance because they will take advantage of it. But then to have this blunder at the very end of the match against Panatolikos, I wanted to pull my freaking hair out. Um. Really watching the highlights, hearing the announcer talk about it, and then watching the highlights afterwards was just uh, staggering. It was like, it was, uh, I don't know if this is a term that people use in in, in, in English football or in English-speaking countries, but in Greek, they, in Greece, they call that a, a playground, a playground defense, like a, a kid's playground defense. You get the meaning behind it, right? It's it's like that doesn't even happen on the playground. That doesn't even happen in your in your pickup games as a kid. Um, very tough to take the end of this season. You know, we can look at this because I'm recording this as of right before New Year's Eve, so um, probably won't put it out till probably New Year's Day, but. Um, reflecting on it and having a lot of people talk about it and seeing a lot of people post about, you know, this past year, I year in review and whatnot, you know, we won the double calendar year wise. Um, great. But uh, I'm hoping that this team just hasn't peaked yet. I'm hoping, like I said, like I've been saying throughout this podcast that they just can put performances, complete performances together that the defense, when the defense is clicking, the offense is also clicking. Um, because it's getting ready to be a difficult January for Ike. A lot of derbies coming up. Um, let's talk about that for a minute. And then I want to talk about uh, very briefly. And I'm sorry I'm not going into more details with all these games. But like I said, if I sit here and go through details, A, uh, because I was working during some of these matches and because, like, I was traveling during the Ike Ajax match, wasn't able to take that many notes. And now being that it's a, this is a few weeks removed from this, trying to go off of everything off memory. Anyway, but just don't want to keep you guys that long. And then um, what I would like to do now is talk about uh, the games coming up for Ike. And then also something that I haven't talked about <clears throat> so much this, this season Simply because, again, I haven't had the time to really... I mean, I've barely had time to watch Ike. Um, 
because of the, you know, the time difference between Greece and the States. Uh, I haven't talked a lot about our, our opponents where these past couple of weeks I've kind of focused as I have played earlier in the day and I've been able later on in the day to, to catch some of the the co-contenders for the title <clears throat> with I um, give my thoughts, a couple of thoughts on them. Um, <coughs> excuse me. So Ike, now on the third of the month, January 3rd, playing against Volos. I can't remember if this game is in Volos or in, uh, <clears throat> or in Philadelphia. Um, so we have Volos on the 3rd. And then on the 7th, Sunday, we go to Karaskaki to play Olibakos, which becomes a massive derby because, A, you don't want to lose this game to kind of, obviously, for bragging rights, or also, you don't want to fall further and further behind in the league. <clears throat> because after that, I think we have Aris in the cup. And then right after that, we have, um, if I'm not mistaken, either the 14th or the following weekend, we play against Panathinaikos too. So very, um, very difficult games coming up. And then if I'm not mistaken beginning of February, so not too far off, we play against the league leaders right now, Balk. So, <clears throat> very tough schedule coming up for Ike, but on the flip side, very good news, Bineda back, Amrabat's back, Jonsson is fully fit. Uh, I want to say um, Bonse is close to being there. Uh, surprise, surprise, Paulo Fernandez is going to be back, which I'm excited to see him. Maybe he can inject a little bit of juice into this offense and maybe give us some goals. You know, he gave us some very memorable games last season, towards the end of the season, uh, coming back from his major Achilles heel injury. Um, Stankovic is fully fit and ready to go. I don't know if he'll start against Volos or if they'll wait and start him in the Olympiacos derby. No, I have heard a lot of stuff. Speaking of that, I have heard a lot of stuff about Ike need a goalkeeper, that we need another keeper. I I don't really see that. I think Stankovic is a great keeper. Look, even really, really good keepers have bad moments and bad days. I mean, Stankovic has had his. But for me, the mistakes that Anastasiadi made in these last few matches, and even before these last few matches, where he made a couple of mistakes this season filling in for Stankovic, uh, I don't see Stankovic making those mistakes. Now, Stankovic has lately made a few mistakes. He made a big mistake in France in that game against Marseille. But I don't really see the need to really go after another top keeper. This happens. Look at Brignoli and Panathinaikos lately. Brignoli was a brick wall. Brignoli was a big reason the past season and a half that Panathinaikos have been contenders for the title. And they've been so good because he's been so solid in goal. He's been one of the, the best, if not the best keeper in Greece. Um, but he's also had a, a bad run of form. It happens. And uh, goalkeeping, similar to being a striker, is it's very uh, very psychological for, for both of those positions. If you're struggling psychologically, it can really give you a poor, a poor run of form. Um, so hopefully... 
with Stankovic back. Now, I don't know, Ike might go for a better number two or might get someone equally as good, if not better than Stankovic, to kind of push him a little bit, where they can kind of push each other to be better. Um, <clears throat> I don't know. I know there's been a lot of talk about uh, trying to look for a left back because... Of course, we have Mohammadi and uh, Hadzi Safi leaving to go to AFCON, uh, African Cup of Nations, and also with them goes Mukudi, who um, got call, the call up to go play for his nation, Cameroon. So we have both of the Iranian left backs gone for AFCON, and both of their contracts, I think, are up this summer. I heard somewhere, so maybe I might be looking for a left back. I know C.D. Bay can come in and play left back. Uh, he's played it before. I don't know what the plan is as far as what's going to happen with that. That's going to be very interesting to see. A lot of interesting stuff that's going to happen this week as we continue play here in the Greek Super League. Um, you know, <coughs> as those players leave for that um, almost month-long tournament. And then depending on, I don't know about Iran, but I know... Uh, Cameroon could possibly go far in that tournament, so we don't know how long Mukudi's going to be gone for. But nice to see like players coming back because we really have missed Pineda in the midfield, uh, Jonsson. <clears throat> we really, it's great to see Levy Garcia. The last three games that he's been back, yeah, the team, the team overall team performance hasn't been great. The three games that he's been back, but at least he's been able to put the ball in the back of the net, something that Ike was missing for a long time, and, and we've missed Levy Garcia. Um, also, exciting to see what Pablo Fernandez can offer up to the team. Um, Pizarro was dealing with a nag nagging injury. I know he hasn't been quite as good as we have hoped. Um, a lot of question marks, but also a lot of excitement to see what's what's going to happen with this team. Over the next month, and I think this is going to be this is going to be a make or break month for Ike. I think that if things can go well and they can continue their derby record, <clears throat> we could keep pace at the top of the table, make it to the next round of the cup, and then see what's what after that. You've also got to think of our two of our major competitors, both Balkan and Ibiakos, who are going to have Europe to worry about here in about a month or so as uh, European competitions get uh, underway mid February. Uh, Ike are not no longer going to have to worry about Europe, so that's going to give this team a little bit of a break. He's not going to have Almeida's not going to have to do as heavy as a rotation as he has been doing. Um, that's also something to think about. That Ike has played so many more games to this point this season than they did last season. Um, so we shall see. But everyone else is also a little bit better. So let's get to that and talk about that a little bit. You know, you have Balk leading the table right now, which they're playing great football. They've Their record has been outstanding in Europe. They've played very well, honestly, since the last time we played them and and, and, and uh, shut them out 2-0. And really, there were people that night calling for Luchescu's head because this team looked like they were getting ready to fall apart. Look, I, I don't like giving the guy credit, but you got to give credit where credit's due. Luchescu has done a, a, a great job with his bringing these young players and mixing them with some of these, uh, um, for me, over-the-hill guard at uh, at uh, Bauk to um, <clears throat> to really have this impressive streak and impressive form. And it's quite, quietly and humbly kind of uh, hit the top of the table without, uh, without me, me taking r real notice of them. 
Um, watching them a little bit over the past couple of weeks, they they play pretty good style of football, and they look like a like a pretty good team. Someone that that's going to be a, a force to be reckoned with for the next few months, and it's going to make the title race very exciting. On the flip side of it, you have uh, Olympiacos, who are on their second manager. According to this new manager, they look a little bit better um, in Europe. Obviously, the competition they were playing in Europe, they were playing the Vrajic Kutopula, whatever that Serbian team that they were playing was not a metric. It was not a fair metric as to how you expected the Bekos to play. And then uh, in the league, their league form has not gotten that much better. So... You don't know what Olympiacos team you're getting, uh, which makes the derby all that more exciting coming up in, in Karaiskaki in about a week. Um, then you got Panathinaikos, who I I thought it was some type of Christmas joke the day after Christmas where they were talking about they let Jovanovic go. I don't know, man. I uh, Not that I follow Panathinaikos that much, but I don't understand... I, the only way I could see this happening is if Jovanovic just said, hey, I want to leave. And just uh, he himself gave up on the team and said, I, I just got to get out of here. I don't know why Alafuzo, Panathinaikos' uh, owner, I don't know if he's the president, but he fires Jovanovic, who took Panathinaikos' Got them a cup, got them their first piece of silverware after a few years. And then, be completely honest, they were one result away from winning the league last year. And yeah, maybe they've hit a little bit of a rough patch and and rough form. But damn, still, dude, compared to what you were like, I mean, they were... A few years ago, Panathinaikos was even... I remember I remember this like it was yesterday. Panathinaikos fans were calling the radio station talking about how they were in, in fear of their team possibly fighting off relegation. That's how bad, the how dire the situation was. And you're talking about in just a few short years, um, just a short time after Jovanovic took over, that they were back into the... T- they won the cup and then they were back in the, the title hunt where, listen... Historically, where Panathinaikos really should be. I mean, I'm not. I'm not saying that. You know, I don't want to draw up controversy here because, of course, I love Ike. But let's be honest. Like that's where Panathinaikos belong, and I don't like the thought process where people say, you know, oh yeah, I want to see Panathinaikos play in the Vitaethniki. I want to see this. I want to see that. No, if I want to, I want to beat our three main competitors. I want to beat Panathinaikos. Olympiacos and Balk on the way to the title. I don't want to play a, a championship where I'm beating freaking Panzaraikos and Panatolikos on the way to the championship. That might sound kind of hypocritical to what, different from what I was talking about a few minutes ago where you have to beat those teams <coughs> to win the title. I'm talking about if like Panathinaikos was relegated or something, you know, or Olympiacos or Balk or anything. Um, I want to beat, I want to beat our rivals to uh, to win a championship. I don't want to beat... And I want to beat them when they're good, not just when they're mediocre. Um, but yeah, that really surprised me that um, 
Jovanovic out at Panathinaikos, and they're bringing in this uh, Turkish, uh, I think he coached at uh, Fenerbahce, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so very, very surprising stuff in the Greek Super League, and given Ike's form lately, you really don't know. I mean, look, as a neutral, as an Ike fan, like I've said this before, I'm not yet at a point where I can say, where I'm at a point where we've won so many championships where I'm like, okay, whatever. I don't, I don't really care what happens. Or we won the championship last year. I don't really care. No, I want to win the championship again. I want to win the championship every year if I can. Um, but as kind of look, taking a step back and looking at it in more of a neutral stance, um, it's going to be an exciting, dramatic finish to the world of Greek football that just seems to be this soap opera that just, uh, keeps creating more drama. And now this whole drama thing that I totally forgot to talk about, uh, where there's no fans in the in the stands. And by the way, let me talk about that for a minute because I that completely skipped my mind. Uh, memory eternal to the to the to the police officer that lost his life after the the flare hit him. I think it was a flare that hit him at uh, at at Eddie. Um, it's just a sad look, man. There, it's senseless, man. It's senseless for somebody to lose their life over something like that. I don't care what your stance is. I know. There's, listen, there's good cops out there, but there's bad, corrupt cops also, and I totally get it, but um, at, at some point, all this stuff in Greece, and to have, like, an, an 18-year-old child do this, um, it's just terrible. Forget, I'm not going to get into all the podelika, I'm not going to get, I'm not going to call him a gavro, I'm not going to say, it could have been anybody. We know the way Greek culture is, we know what goes on in matches, in Greece, uh, just a sad, sad thing that this uh, this person had to lose his life trying to do his job. Now, you know, I mean, I know there's probably a lot of you that listen to this podcast that don't like cops very much, but listen, no one deserves to lose their life, no matter what kind of job they do or no matter what they've done. No one deserves to lose their life. Um, so I don't know if there's been anything new. Honestly, I've been a little disconnected these past few weeks. I've listened to Ike reports here and there, but um, I don't know what the whole situation is. I know after this had happened, that Mitsotaki came out and said there's not going to be fans allowed back in the stadiums in any sporting event till the 2nd of February or something, I think. Um, I don't know if that's still holding true. Um, for those of you maybe that don't follow the Greek media or, or don't know what's going on, I'll report back on the next podcast as soon as I know something, as soon as this, uh, right now, right after the new year, as soon as we get the Greek Super League going again, um, and I'm listening to more uh, more Greek radio and following more what's going on back in the old country. Um, but uh, yeah, just a sad situation of what happened there. Anyway, guys, thanks so much for taking a listen. And I'm sorry about the, the podcast. Maybe not as detailed as I would have liked. I will try my best from here on out to at least have a podcast once a week like I used to. It's just been crazy. It, it's also hard, too, because you have you had so many games. You know, you had time periods where it was like three games in a week. So it was like if I record a podcast on Wednesday night, then what's the point to that? 
then, you know, there would be game Thursday for Europa League. And then I'd be like, well, it's already, by the time Friday morning would come around, I'd be like, well, it's already Friday. We're going to have a game Sunday. You guys know what I'm talking about. It just got, I got kind of backed up and then I literally just could not find time to record until tonight. Um, so I hope everybody, again, wishing everybody a happy, healthy 2024. You know, this is also a big year for this team in a few months. Ike is turning 100 years old. Wow, that's that's insanity. Um, but wishing everybody all the best. Again, if you like the content and you like this podcast, please follow anywhere you can. Um, subscribe. Write a review. I know you can on Apple. Uh, leave a review anywhere else you can. Anywhere you uh, bang your ear holes to this podcast. Guys, again, have a healthy, happy 2024. Everybody stay safe out there over the next couple of days. Kali kronyas se olus. Kali kronyas na ikaramas. Ketha daksan apu